After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, Los Anarchy Radio? As the theme said, I am Joshua Toomey and this is my show, Talk To Me. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're coming over from the podcast world, thanks for coming with me. I started this show almost a year ago and have uh, had tons of great guests on, such as Chris Kale of Five Finger Death Punch, Tony Campos of Static X slash Fear Factory, Dave Ellison of Megadeth, among others. And uh, we've had a lot of fun this last year, and I'm looking forward to becoming a part of Lost Anarchy Radio. On this episode, I've got Tom Hazart of uh, AMPM with Tom Hazart, a great show that's here on lost anarchy radio also in this episode i talked to jim brewer we break down his new album jim brewer and the loud and rowdy songs from the garage we play some songs from that album we do a lot of fun stuff on this show so thanks for checking it out and uh once again i'm just happy to be here on lost anarchy radio also in this episode we've got a lot of great music from hate breed corn typo negative among other stuff so let's get to a few sponsors and let's get to our show slash talk to me talk and twitter at talk to me talk you know puck hockey is a boutique brand and none of their apparel is mass produced in fact they don't aspire to be the next reebok or ccm converse or the reebok pump they want to ensure that you're getting a truly special and unique product that has been personally approved by the athletes musicians and artists themselves they love adding little extras like custom labeling and one-of-a-kind zipper pulls cool stickers etc and their goal is to engage you in total hockeydom and they look forward to pushing the boundaries and exceeding your expectations of what a hockey brand can be. They've got so many great things over there. They've got the Signature Series with Marion Hosa, the Thrashers and Slashers line, 36 Crazy Fist, Bumblefoot, David Ellison, Tom Hazart. Make sure you're going over to puckhockey.com, and that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. And make sure when you check out to enter the promo code TALK, T-A-L-K, and get 10% off your entire order. Yes, for my listeners, enter T-A-L-K at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Also, shoot the score! Wow! Also, grabbed it out of midair! There's also the relay score! And another great way to support Talk To Me is to head over to Amazon.com. Get yourself a Talk To Me t-shirt, and that's T-O-O-M-E-Y. Search out Talk To Me on Amazon. Get yourself a Talk To Me t-shirt. They come in men's sizes, women's sizes, and even kids' sizes, so you can outfit the entire family in Talk To Me tees. And if you like what I do here at Talk To Me, head over to patreon.com slash talk to me, and you can support the show monetarily over there. You can pick out a tier of what you want to support, get some bonus content and all that wonderful stuff, but we'll get to that later. On this episode, like I said, I talked to Tom Hazart of AMPM with Tom Hazart that's here on Lost Anarchy Radio. Also talk to Jim Brewer. Let's sit back, relax for these next two hours. Let's get some good music in and get some good talk in. First up, guys, let's check out some of the new non-point. This is Generation Idiots. Wait. 
living up I say the same people that I live in up It's safe to say that I'm not giving it a second thought Just for with it on a pivotal moment That I'm giving up Draw back the hammer and I'm swinging it up And bringing it down Taking it over my shoulders as I am back in it And bringing it down Checking for anything left And if I see crap, I'm bringing it down All back to back and then I'm packing up Not looking for a handout Gonna be out the door and that's how it's gonna pan out And who would have thought almost 10 years ago when I met Tom Hazard today, Janky Club in Green Bay, Wisconsin, that he would help me get to the masses, get my voice out to the masses and get the show out to all the people. And if you want to go back and check out old episodes of Talk To Me, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, however you get podcasts and catch up to what all has been going on for the last year or so. Go back, check out all the great episodes of Talk To Me. So cool to have Tom Hazard back on the show. I had him on the show a long time ago, and uh, it was such good chat. And uh, him and I, we just, you know, we we can talk. <laughs> we are two talkers, and uh, we, we go at it on this episode. A lot of great music in this one, too. So sit back, relax, check it out, and uh, always hit me up, facebook.com slash talk and let me know what you guys think. I'm always quick to answer everybody on there, and uh, also on Twitter at talk to me talk so reach out say hello and I will uh, talk to you guys a little bit so without any more of my ramblings here is my conversation with Tom Hazart you are listening to talk to me on Los Anarchy Radio 
I got you loud and clear, sir. Good. As it should be. <laughs> That's right. How are you doing, my man? Oh, man, not doing too bad. Just went and got the oil change and all that fun stuff. So, you know. You're doing a lot more before noon than I am, man. I'm barely out of fucking bed. Well, dude, I've, been a- I've actually been up since like 9 o'clock, but I sure fucking <laughs> going anywhere. But I guess I generally don't leave my fucking apartment anyway unless I have to. So, No, I, uh, man, this is the first Friday I've had off in forever. And I went to uh, drop the baby off at daycare and went to yard sales. And- dude, I love yard sales. I mean, rummage sales are my fucking, are my shit, dude. That's, that's <laughs> my jam. Like, I think that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go and go to... I've been literally like watching Seinfeld for four days straight. I think I've watched the whole series like five times. Nice. <laughs> so we could just we could just go through Seinfeld quotes. I mean, there's so much we could talk about today. You know, Seinfeld quotes, yard sale finds. Right. I mean, there's so there's <laughs> there's so much ground to cover. Where do we start? <laughs> right. We're fascinating uh-huh. fucking individuals, Josh. Oh, I know, man. It's a it's a it's a nice life to live. Hi, I'm Tom Hazart, and you're listening to Talk to Me. <laughs> All about your talk to me. You tell me to live. I think I think that should be your new intro to your show. I think that I think you nailed it. I think we're right there. <laughs> so, you excited about the big dash radio debut this week? Yeah, man, I'm pretty excited to see what happens, see where it goes. And, and uh, I've been, um, I re-edited the uh, Jim Brewer episode, added some music to it, nice. uh, all that stuff, or the Jim Brewer interview and added music to it. So I think it got it up to like 47 minutes. That's awesome. And, and, and what a brilliant idea to have me on your first episode. How, how, however <laughs> did you come up with that? I mean, that? I mean, that really is a brilliant concept. I mean, having me on your first episode. I mean, how'd you come up with that? I mean, that's groundbreaking radio right there, Josh. Well, when Tom Hazard invites you to become a part of Dash Radio, I think uh, he also invites himself onto the first episode. <laughs> so that's kind of how it works. <laughs> so people out there in the music business, that's how it works. <laughs> so you're saying this was all my brilliant idea. Well, then I guess I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> well, one of one of many brilliant Tom Hazard's ideas. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that that could be disputed. I guess that depends who you ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> So what? My problem is, for some reason, I want to continue to call it uh, Los Anarchy Radio, and I know it's just Los Anarchy Radio, but I've even on the podcast where I announced yeah, it, say, I called you can, it Los. you can say Los, Los, Los. I mean, I mean, mine generally. I, I mean, I think all my imaging says Los Anarchy Radio. I mean, you can say Los. I mean, it's just right. it's, it's it's preference, man. I mean, I think I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I guess mine actually says Los Anarchy. You're listening to AMPM with Tom Hazard on Los Anarchy. Yeah, I guess it is Los in mine. I had to play my imaging in my head. So, right. oh man. So I was looking at your. Uh, I was stalking your Facebook page the other day, and uh, I just absolutely love your about me, like where you've, where all of you worked, or where you continue to work. Like now, now Facebook changed, and this is a recent change because you used to just show like the top two or three, and you'd have to like manipulate it to make the ones you wanted to show up show up. Now it shows all of them, and now I just feel fucking retarded. Like I want to go take half of them <laughs> off. It's like 
It's like every time I look at my Facebook, it's like Tom Hazer, this was your life. Like, really? Right. Like, do you really need to show like 900? Like, like, why, Facebook? Why? Like, every time I look at my profile now, I get irritated. Like, and what do you take off? I mean, what's relevant? What's not? You know what I mean? I mean, ugh, it's irritating. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. No, it, it, take, it takes up my whole phone screen. I know, <laughs> so me too. <laughs> Jesus, it scrolls for like 10 minutes down my computer screen. It's like, come on. I only have a 14-inch monitor. Oh, man. You, got, you should see my actual resume sometime, Josh. It's like... 19 fucking pages. <laughs> and then you should see my bank account, and then we have a good laugh. <laughs> it's uh, one page. <laughs> one line. <laughs> one line. One digit. <laughs> Feed me, Tom. <laughs> oh, that's why I make the small to medium bucks on my brilliant ideas. <laughs> and... Oh, man. My, yeah, my, uh, my brain has just been constantly going. Because, I mean, when I started the podcast... I kind of wanted to, I originally wanted to do an internet radio show, but I just had no idea how to do that. And then I was like, well, I know a bunch of people in, in the music business, so, and I like, you know, what Jamie Josta does and what Chris Jericho does. And I was like, I can do that. Yeah. And so I did it. And uh, here we are almost a year later, but going, going to the uh, internet radio station. Well, I have a little secret for you, too. A, a podcast and an internet radio show are basically the exact same thing. A podcast is just a podcast. I mean,. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I got you. I mean, look, my show, I mean, I imagine the people listening have heard my show. If not, well, you're not missing much. But, you know, my show is a little more of like a slick radio style show with like, you know, funny little shit in between. And But I mean, really, look, I mean, it's the fundamentals are the same. I mean, podcasts are just delivered in a, in a different way. You know what I mean? Right. I think this is great for you now. You'll, you know, I, I mean, this is the same, it's the same great content on your podcast is delivered in a, amazing new worldwide medium you know with a built-in right. listenership and you know probably a little more bells and whistles and you know you know like 15 percent more tom hazer which is always a good thing <laughs> right that's that's a that should be a t-shirt right there 15 <laughs> percent now with 15 percent more tom hazer <laughs> <laughs> and it can change as my weight fluctuates <laughs> right now i think uh, i'd actually be 15 percent less tom hazer Today is not the fucking day! Last in one fight with their pain! They're negative waste, giving birth to endless crazy complaints! I'm too close, just boiling with rage! I choke on this feeling of war in my throat every day! Swallowed every bitter pill, now I'm forced to do! Hearing every vicious word, they're filthy mouth too! My thoughts, this into the abyss! My heart is begging me to finish this! Today, I wish a motherfucker would try!
Facebook at facebook.com slash talk to me talk. I'm not collecting friends and I'm not building any fonts. I don't want to get sucked into this. And Twitter at talk to me talk. You are listening to talk to me. So, all right, what, what else are we going to talk about? I, we already we already ran out of interesting topics and it's been like six minutes and half of that was <laughs> bullshit. So, uh, <laughs> so let's talk well, about Jim Brewer. <laughs> Jim Brewer, geez. What's Jim Brewer going to talk about? You know, he keeps, it is funny, on his podcast, he keeps talking about all of these radio shows that he did, and he has yet to bring up my podcast, but I know that my podcast brought him tons and tons of press because of that, because of the, uh, some of the Brian Johnson comments that he made. I'm like, come on, Jim, throw me a bone, Jesus. Well, oh, so you should email him and say, hey, you know what, now it's going on this Nash international platform, and I'm using you for the first episode, and he probably will talk about it on his podcast. Believe, believe you me, his. Uh, I'm not his gonna public- do what you all think I'm gonna do and just freak out. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not gonna do what everyone thinks I'm gonna do. Flip out, man. All I want to know is who's coming with me. <clears throat> well, ACDC, man, that's a hot topic. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jesus. You know what's funny is like uh, I don't know if it's like my my age group or or what like I just never really like I think Thunderstruck kind of kind of hit when I was probably eleven or twelve uh, and I was already kind of into like Helmet and uh, yeah must have been you know, that's been your age group man because ACDC is fucking I don't know I'm, how old are you I didn't know I was that much older than you <laughs> I'm thirty seven I'm forty and ACDC is fucking god so I don't know you know what though dude honestly. I got it. I started going to concerts when I was like fucking six, seven. I mean, I was yeah. really, you know, in the early eight. I mean, the first concert I went to was Quiet Riot and Black Sabbath, you know, on the Born Again Metal Health Tour. You know, I didn't feel like it was like 1983. You know, I mean, literally, I started going to concerts when I was six, seven years old. And by the time I was 10, I'd been to 20. You know what I mean? So, again, I guess if I would have gotten into music in the late 90s, I probably wouldn't have gotten into ACDC. You know what I mean? It's like right. when I got into music, fucking. I think the first ACDC album I was Who Made Who, and I loved Maximum Overdrive, and I think that was where my love for ACDC actually started was Who Made Who and Maximum Overdrive. I think that was what actually fucking started it for me. I was probably eight years old, and you know, my first two loves, and still kind of are, were you know, metal and horror movies. You know what I mean? And it's those two things have never left me. And you know, the combination of that movie and the way the music was interlaced into it and the way the soundtrack was released as an ACDC album. I mean, it stuck with me and it was brilliant. And you know, it, it's funny because I've had a career that always kind of dabbled in music and films. I ended up, you know, doing last year, I think we might've talked about this before. I ended up doing the, the thing for the shocker for the Blu-ray release for Scream Factory, a Wes Craven shocker. And I did a documentary about the soundtrack, another horror film that had a, really metal centric soundtrack and then i ended up doing return of the living dead and now i'm actually working on another top secret one right now that's a huge 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 cult movie probably one of the biggest cult movies ever made you know that's another one you know so it's funny because film and music for me have always been really intrinsically tied but that i think that was how my love for acdc started and uh funny enough 
I don't think we talked about this, but I actually did a uh, an ACDC song with Phil Collins from Def Leppard, and it's pretty fucking awesome. Oh, wow. We did a... It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And it's actually fucking rad. It turned out really, really, really cool. It never got released. We, me and Phil were going to release it, and I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I got it. Maybe I'll let you throw it. Maybe I'll let you throw that on the podcast. There we go. <laughs> I think I still have a rough mix of it somewhere. We never even really finished it, but it was it was so cool. And that Def Leppard's like my favorite band since I was a kid. One of them, you know. And we were talking, oh, and, yeah. and I sent him. I did a cover of "Hair of the Dog" by Nazareth, and I sent him that. And we were talking about an ACDC song. He's like, your vocals would be perfect for an ACDC song. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then we, you know, did Long Way to the Top. And he sent me the music. I went into Scott Whelan's studio in L.A. and, and tracked my vocals. And, uh, yeah, it just turned out fucking great, man. It was really oh, awesome. Yeah, I didn't even know I could pull off ACDC until I did it. And I'm like, wow, you know, I can do it. <laughs> that should be your uh, cover band. You know, you can start a cover band up there in Wisconsin or the cover band circuit. You know, it's funny. I actually did that for a couple of years when I was bored and I was here before. I mean, I, I say, you know, we did like Ozzy and Black. Sabbath. That's how I discovered I could do the Nazareth song. I never knew I had that. Now you're messing with her. That ACDC song. Right. Like I didn't know I had that register until I had to sing that song, and I'm like, oh shit, I can do this. And then slowly you realize, you know. And I've always, I've always sang, man. I've been a producer and a singer since I was a fucking kid, you know. But it's funny because the older I got, and you know, when I was 30, I quit smoking, and I and I realized my voice get, and now I can sing like Skid Row shit, no for no, like those. I just developed those higher registers in my voice now. Now I can sing stuff that. You know, when I was 20, I couldn't sing to save my fucking life. It's weird, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking the other day, it was, I was out looking at uh, I was out looking at records at, at a flea market, and I was going through, and I found uh, Def Leppard's Pyromania. Yeah. And I, it immediately took me back to, I was, think I was in, like, the third grade, and a kid brought Pyromania on vinyl to school with him. Awesome. And, like, that, you know, just thinking back to, like, me. The, <laughs> <laughs> the little Tom Hazard running around, like, <laughs> gotta check this out my black sabbath shirt <laughs> like like imagine have you ever seen the tenacious d movie jack black as a kid that was basically me <laughs> right. in a nutshell that was me a long, long time ago in a town called kickapoo that was me that was me that was me i was jack people black. that people that know me since uh like middle school i in the seventh grade and this is not even a stretch of the imagination or exaggeration i had three kiss shirts that i would Rotate so like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I mean, and it would just and, be and what, and what year was this? Seventh grade. So this was like black and white. So were they like Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade? Like no, they weren't current. They were oh, they were old. I had like you know I, I, you know a Kiss Destroyer and then the uh, Four Faces uh, solo record shirts. Yeah, and, see, see, you know that's you know dude I was you know my my Kiss shirt collection honestly started in the Lick It Up Asylum, the you know, the Bruce Kulick era. Man. Oh, I, yeah. I had a I had a great rotation of animalized, hot in the shade, fucking you know I, I <laughs> lived, you know the funny thing about KISS, I saw KISS on every tour after they took the makeup on after they took the makeup off, I'm sorry, from Lick It Up through Revenge. And when they finally put the makeup back on, it took me like eight years to see them. Like I just kept missing them every time they'd come around. Then I ended up a couple of times I went with you know I finally went with when I finally got to see him, I went with my friend Mark Weiss. Mark Weiss, guy Weiss, is a huge rock photographer, and, oh, yeah. and they played this big festival. 
And so I got to watch them from the photo pit, like literally a foot in front of Gene's boot. And it was fucking epic. And then I actually went, me and Drake Bell went and saw Kiss once too, which was really fucking random. Drake just goes, hey, you want to go see Kiss tonight at the forum? I'm like, fuck yeah. So I went with Drake Bell from Drake and Josh to see Kiss. Figured that out. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, hey, this is Chris Kale from Five Finger Death Punch. You're listening to Talk To Me. All right, so back to Kiss Talk. So we're going to go, uh, well, so Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park has to be like the best movie right. ever made. Dude, are you, you're a big Kiss fan? Oh, yeah. Dude, you have to. The studio that I work at in Richmond, which is like an hour away from you, I mean, I'll hook it up. You can go down there anytime. But the place yeah. is like a fucking Kiss Museum. I, I've, apparently, we've never had this conversation. They have like <laughs> jeans, boots, and like they have a whole jean outfit. They have like the whole place is a it's literally a fucking Kiss Museum. They have, you know, Kiss pinball machines and like a hundred Kiss plaques. And they have they have Paul's prototype Ibanez Iceman there. They have 20 of Paul's Icemans, 20 of the Paul Stanley Icemans, but they have the actual original fucking prototype. And dude, this is literally an hour away from your house. It's in Richmond. Wow. It's next to Lexington. It's literally an hour from your house. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go check that out. I saw you post some pictures of it the other day. It's called, I, Third, you know, you Sky, kept... called Third Sky Studio. That's where American Head Charge just did their new record. That's where I recorded my... Did I ever send you my solo track that I did? I thought I, I don't think I did. But maybe, I don't I think, think you I'll have, send no. you that, too, but... I, I record, you know, Bumblefoot played on it and stuff. It's fucking on, but I did that there. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's a really great studio, man, for being in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. It's amazing. My buddy Richard Easterling runs it and engineers all the stuff. I think that's where we're going to make the new Dalskin record. But yeah, literally, the place is a fucking kiss museum. You will shit your pants when you go there. Yeah, I saw that, and then I also saw too that you know they had a bunch of dime oh, uh, yeah. dimebag stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, damn it, dude, you'll die. I, every time I go there, I'm like a little fucking kid. Oh, it's all good, man. That's yeah. It's whew. Yeah, I you know, check it's funny. Out. Those pictures got me a dean endorsement. Actually, I'm now a dean endorsed artist, and they're sending me a guitar this week. They, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny because their A and R guy is, is a friend of mine. Is my friend on Facebook, and I was posting all those. He's like, "Dude, we got to get you an ML of your own." I'm like, "Yes, please." I said, "Actually, what I'd really love is I had a dean acoustic." that got stolen and I was talking to him about it and I would love to replace that. And he's like, oh, so I'll send you one and we'll, we'll work out a deal. You can be a Dean artist. I'm like, yes, please. I love, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I get deals from Schecter and ESP and I love them all, but dude, I, I'm a Dean guy. I mean, that's my, that's my shit. And I used to have a Dean deal at one point when Zelinsky was still there and, 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 you know, but now it's obviously a way different company. So, but yeah, it's awesome. I'm super, but yeah, those pictures of me with all the Deans, you know, all the dime bag Deans got me a Dean deal. So yay. I need to go out there and take a bunch of pictures of me with dime bag deans too, so I can get a couple of those hanging around the hanging on the walls. Right, no shit. But yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty stoked, man. It's funny how those little things lead to other little things, you know. I post a bunch of pictures, you know, of me holding deans, and I get a dean endorsement. Like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> Fantastic, man. <laughs> and then I put you on the radio so I can come on your show and talk about it. It's, <laughs> right. it's the circle of life. Oh man! So yeah, the other night actually, we, you know, we were texting and talking, you know, getting everything ready for this dash radio rollout, and uh, you know, I was going not to, to see Phil and was sexting. We were texting just to... no. Well, there was a few sexting sexy. there. It was sexy, but... <laughs> especially the pictures. But we won't. Right? Yeah, the pictures. I digress. Yeah, I, I I tend to like send a lot of uh, fake dick pics, you know, pics of other people's dicks, just to you know. 
throw everybody off. Yeah, I give people of mine to send to other people as their pics. So. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Speaking of dick pics, I was going to see <laughs> Phil Anselmo. <laughs> <laughs> the best segue ever. Right. And the best segue of the year goes to <laughs> continue. And you know, you know, you know what's funny about that whole thing is it ended up being. I'll break down the Phil and Somo thing for you because it actually turned out to be pretty cool. It was it was about an hour and a half of you know there was there was a moderator but he really wasn't talking like Phil was just talking and then uh, you know they were they were kind of losing the con- losing control because they started <laughs> doing uh, questions from the audience. But they were supposed to be pre-written, like, you know, there was a, a, a tub out front, you write your question down, gets thrown in the hat, and the moderator was going to ask it. But what would happen is he would ask, he would answer a question, and then someone else would just stand up in the crowd and yell a question at Phil, and Phil would answer that, and then so it just kind of kept going and kept going and kept going. And, you know, someone at one point did yell out, you know, about Phil Anselmo's gigantic penis, and he was like, yes, yes, I am well endowed, you know? <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it was. It was... <laughs> uh, so should we talk about well endowed rock stars now? I mean, that's a great segment. Jesus, I mean, Evan uh, Seinfeld has a huge dick. I don't know who who else. I don't know. Um, well, actually, I'll give you a, a story about when I met Peter Steele. Oh, no, Peter Steele, you know, yeah. fucking Peter. You know, it always threw me off. I dated a girl when that, you know, and I was friends with Peter Steele. You know, and okay. when that Playgirl came out, I was dating a girl who had this the pictures hanging in her room and every time i fucked her i had to look at peter Steele's dick and it i had this whole range of emotions i mean inadequacy (laughs) coupled with a a little bit of arousal i mean it's just (laughs) weird things to come to terms with i'm like wow pete you're i mean that shit comes down to your ankle i I mean man was so fucking insane like it was fucking like how how is that even possible like fuck Anyway, sorry, what? <laughs> so yeah, so my buddy had that playgirl. My guy friend had that playgirl who is actually out driving this with Megadeth. Somehow better than mine. Yeah, he, well, he actually is the bus driver on the Megadeth tour, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, he, <laughs> so he has the playgirl. We meet Peter Steele. He was like, and he says to Peter, he was like, "Man, Peter, you're hung like a horse." And Peter goes, "Yes, my mother was a mule." <laughs> <laughs> and that was Pete's sense of humor. Yes, it was. It was great.
to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash talk to me talk and Twitter at talk to me talk. When I was a kid, my life was like almost famous. I started out as a writer, you know, 15, 16 years old. I started writing for the teen page of the Green Bay Press Gazette, the big newspaper in the town I lived in. And I was the only one who was smart enough to take it and realize that if I call, you know, that I had this huge 200,000, you know, this is when newspapers were the dominant fucking force in the media, you know, and I had this 200,000 circulation Gannett group daily at my disposal. And I realized when I was 15, 16 years old, if I called publicists at record labels, they would send me free CDs and let me do interviews. So I ended up interviewing fucking Nirvana and all these huge fucking bands through it. And you know, a lot of metal bands, Fear Factory and Obituary and Machine Head and Sepultura and you know, the first in-person interview I ever fucking did, I was 16 years old, and it was fucking typo negative. And I went to the, sh- the arena. I was nervous as fuck, walked on their bus, this 15-year-old kid, and it was literally almost famous. I'm this little, fat <laughs> 15-year-old kid, and I walk onto the fucking bus, and I'm greeted by giant nine-foot-tall Peter Steele, and, you know, and he was just so warm and welcoming and funny from the... You know, and I ended up becoming friends with them and stalking them for years and doing tons of interviews and press. And, you know, I, I ended up seeing them probably 200 times and becoming, you know, well acquainted with them. And But just that one moment, man, Peter Steele was probably one of the people responsible for me being in this business just by being such a warm, amazing fucking human being to this dumb little kid that came on his bus to do an interview, you know? Yeah, it's definitely... Uh just growing up around all that and going to see shows and I, I would go and see them with, you know, life of agony. Yeah, I'd go exactly. see them open for Pantera. You know, you were, oh. man. Oh, it was that whole circuit of Pantera, life of agony, life of agony. guys are good friends of mine too. And I love that fucking band, man. Biohazard, life of yeah. agony, all those fucking bands. I mean, they were really, really, really seminal to me. That first batch of kind of New York hardcore stuff that was on Roadrunner and even Carnivore before Typo. And, you know, it was just great. And that whole circuit then was just amazing, man. Those bands were too. I mean, I saw Pantera on Cowboys from Hell, Vulgar Display of Power. I mean, I saw them on Cowboys from Hell with like 100 people there. You know what I mean? It's, you know, and Life of Agony, I've gotten to see a billion times. And, and you know, again, it's just. It was a really cool thing to grow up around, man, and be in the middle of. And I'm just so blessed that I got into this business young and I got to really be a part of so many amazing movements in, you know, American metal. You know, I've really seen three or four waves come and go, you know, in my professional career. And it's, you know, been amazing to be a part of all of them at some point or another. You know, it's like the the 80s stuff I ended up getting involved with later when I got to be an adult with Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses and, you know, Bang Tango, who I'm producing their new record, and, and some of these other bands, and Saigon Kick. And it's funny, all these bands that I was huge, a huge fan of when I was a teenager, I went back and worked with them or hired them to produce records or do stuff with them after I got fixed out. Even David Ellison, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I went back, you know, it's funny. I you know, Obviously, I first worked with, like, the type of negative Fear Factory into the Cold Chamber, Corn, Limp Biscuit, you know, transition, and, you know, and, and everything that came after that, and Five Finger Death Punch, and working with Ivan, with Ghost Machine, and, you know. But then, again, I kind of reverted back to all these legendary bands and ended up working with them and just kind of worked my way backwards, which is kind of funny. But it's been so great to see and be involved with, you know, a few different waves of, you know, American metal. You know, obviously the stuff I did with Chimera and, you know, Switched and all those bands. And I mean, it's been really, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been really, really, I feel like Dewey Cox sometimes, you know, it's a wonderful (laughs) ride. 
Oh yeah, Tom Hazer. Tom Hazer got to post his whole career on his Facebook page. <laughs> if you want to take the time to read the Tom Hazart <laughs> career bio, then you know if you have a nice evening, grab your bottle of wine, <laughs> run you a bath, some candles, run a bath, and read my list of employment on my Facebook page. Oh man, I was sitting at the gate when I was sitting and ready, about to get an oil change. I got a notification on my phone that Mina Caputo had followed me back on Twitter, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's that's so great, man." And yeah, and Joey Z. I mean, all, all those guys. I mean, I've known forever, and they're such great people and such a great fucking band. And you know, I couldn't. You know, I've all when they got back together, I was stoked. And you know, I've, I've always, I've always had a special place in my heart for Life of Agony and that whole camp and. You know, I still do. You know, nothing will ever change that. I mean, they'll be one of those bands that just, I mean, River Runs Red, I heard it and it changed my life and I still put it in and get that. It's one of those records I still get the same feeling I heard the first time I fucking heard it. And, you know, and again, all that stuff is what I ended up having a great relationship with Roadrunner and signing bands to Roadrunner and working with them on a, on a ton of projects and, you know, being really good friends with Monty Connor and Mike Gitter and all the people that ran Roadrunner, you know, through all the stuff I did with them, you know, and it's, and again, that all came back to developing that relationship through Life of Agony and Fear Factory and Obituary and all the, you know what I mean? It was a really, no, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy how one thing at one point in your life just leads to all these other, you know, these, it's like a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> right. So do you think Monty Connor just has like a golden ear? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, honestly, Monty's amazing. But, you know, it's funny. Monty hated Chimera. He didn't want Monty, you know, Monty didn't want to sign Chimera. When I sent him the first Chimera demos, he said, it sounds like corn. And he hated yeah. it. And it was me and Kevin Estrada. Kevin Estrada loved it. And Dino from Fear Factory loved it. And he kept bugging him. And then I was friends with Stefan from the Deftones. I got him into it. And he started bugging him. So Kamira signed to Rotor was a two-year process of everybody bugging Monty Connor. But he didn't. But then it's funny. <laughs> when I was shopping a race for Gray a couple years later, Monty loved it. And the band fucked up, and I told them to sign to Roadrunner, and the deal was less money, and they ended up signing to Universal and taking a fucked up deal and put out one AP and got dropped. You know, where Roadrunner, right. Monty loved that band. I think, I think Monty's fucking great, but he's, he's a smart A&R guy. He keeps other smart A&R guys around him. But yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's found some great stuff. And I mean, part of it is Roadrunner was the only one that signed that shit at one point in time. They were really one of the only labels that did that. So, of course, everything just went to them, you know what I mean? It's yeah, the of, best of the best type stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a combination of, you know, Roadrunner being an amazing, la amazing label and Monty having a great fucking year and being a great executive and, and people just loving him and having a relationship with him. And I still love the guy. I've always loved the guy. I mean, I mean, he was honestly like one of my idols. You know, it's funny, man. I grew up idolizing A&R guys, which is a funny thing, but I mean, you know, and, and a lot of them, Tom Zutat, and, and you know, producers and A&R guys, you know, man, were kind of my thing. Some people wanted to be a rock star, I wanted to be a producer and an A&R guy, you know, and it's yeah. some of those guys, you know, those legendary A&R guys ended up, you know, I became friendly with, and, and, you know, and it's, you know, Monty's one of them that I, you know, saw his name on fucking King Diamond Records and all these, you know, records that I loved and were real seminal to me as a kid, and you know, got to have a relationship with him and a business relationship with him that continued for decades and decades and decades. And you know what I mean? It's Monty's great. He really is. And Roadrunner was such a great company, and their business model was so great. And they, they just brought so many great fucking things into the world, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's the one thing, too, with, with digital downloads and, and people getting stuff to their phones. That's going to be the one thing or the one area that I think people are going to miss out on 
is you know you would sit there and you would look at your King Diamond record, you would look at your Sepultura record, yeah. you would see the A and R guy, oh, yeah. the producer, the associate producer, the mixer, the editor, all that stuff. Like you're not going to see that anywhere now. Yeah. Like I don't even know how how that, those are probably the one guys that miss out on on lots. Oh of yeah, stuff look, I mean I still love seeing my names on our records when they come out. You know what I mean? It's like I mean to me that's like you know you made it. That's the ultimate, like, yeah, you know I mean? And to me, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of old hat now, but I mean, there's 15 records out on EMP now that all have my name on it for A&R or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool thing. It's a, you know, it, it, that whole record store experience though, man, going, waiting for a release, going and buying it. That's one thing kids will never oh, yeah. understand. And it kills me, man. Going to a record store, the day that record comes out that you have been waiting for for two years, reading about in magazines, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you go and get it. You know, they have midnight openings the night before, so you could get it early. You know, I remember lining up at the exclusive company in Green Bay, the record store that I still shop at today. And they carry my records and they've always carried my records for all my labels and been super fucking supportive. And the manager, Tom Smith, has been literally the guy I've bought music from and turned me on to music since I was 10 years old. You know what I mean? But I remember going and lining up there, you know, at midnight on Monday nights to pick up new records when they'd have midnight releases for new entombed records and obituary records. And, you, you know, I, I mean, and it was just such a, and there's another great story here called Apple Emporium that was like a amazing independent metal store. And again, dude, that's where I went and got my concrete corner samplers from. And I ended mm-hmm. up, you know, Bob Japardi, who ran concrete, ended up becoming my mentor basically for my whole career. And I ended up working for concrete, doing a bunch of stuff with them. And again, so it's so funny how these little things just became so instrumental in my life. And again, and I think, you know, I kind of, tried really hard to pay that forward with all the street team stuff. And a lot of the kids that were on my street teams, you know, or excuse me, when I was a manager would come to me and look, you know, you know, Jerry club, who manages suicide silence. You know, I met him when he was a Camira fan. He came to me and said, dude, I managed this band suicide silence. You should check him out. And I actually legitimately wrote, his first management contract was Suicide Silence for him. You know, so I always tried to pay that stuff forward with, you know, everybody was so welcoming and, and for the most part and great to me when I was getting into the business. And I always try and mentor young managers and young talent and give that back. And that's what we're doing now with EMP Underground and all the stuff we're doing with that. And it's, a, you know, it's really something that, again, you got to try and really try and pay forward and, and just, you know, I mean, it's, it's a business where you got to take care of everybody else. And, you know, it is. Oh, absolutely. That's the one thing I've noticed, too, kind of because, you know, I've been quiet for so long since, I mean, I think the last real primer stuff I did was when we reunited in 07 and I was quiet, you know, didn't really do anything for six, seven, eight years. And then I, I show back up with the podcast and reach out to everyone that I used to talk to and everybody, you know, first few 10, 12 guests or old friends of mine and getting all that stuff together. And then, you know, then it becomes a community of uh other podcasters other you know other it's it's been very it's been very welcoming kind of coming back into the music business the music world it's been pretty insane oh, i mean i <laughs> don't mean to bore you oh, with my no. story tom <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah fuck this guy <laughs> i don't know i was just gonna say you do a better job of booking guests than i do man i honestly like that's the hardest part of me for doing my shows having to book guests all the fucking time i i guess I just don't have time to do it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like I had to put my show on hiatus for a few months because I was so busy. And it was like, it was one of those things where it's like something had to give somewhere. 
And it kind of had to be my radio show. I, I hate yeah. to say it. I love radio. It's always been one of my great loves. I've done FM radio. I've done radio stuff for years and years, and I love it. And I like talking, obviously, and I like entertaining. But, you know, I, I mean, unfortunately, that's one of those things where that kind of had to give. But now I'm, you know, ramping it back up again. And, you know, but, yeah, I mean, it is. It's hard. Though. It's a hard balance of, you know, having to have a guest every week and set it up. And, yeah, especially you have a day job, too. You know what I mean? It's like I have yeah. nine, you know. So it's just like. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've all seen your Facebook page. I was going to say, according to my Facebook, I have 47. <laughs> to, be, to be clear, 47 to be day clear jobs. that is everything I've ever put on there in 15 years. It now shows. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I, I, that's how I do. I mean, I work with something for a year or two, develop it, and then move on to something else generally. You know, there's certain things that I did for a long time. You know, THC, I did, you know, Corporate Punishment, I did for a long time. But. Again, dude, I, I, I'm a consultant. I kind of jump from thing to thing to thing, and, you know, and, and that's how I move. So, I mean, that's why my Facebook page looks ridiculous like that. But somebody really wants to talk to me. I've been getting texts this whole time. <laughs> my phone's across the room. I'm going to see who it is and just call yeah, them out right now on the radio for bothering me while I'm trying to do my interview. Let's see who it is. Who is blowing me up incessantly for the last 30 minutes? Please be Fred Durst. Please be Fred Durst. No. <laughs> I, I haven't talked to that dude in fucking... I, I don't really talk to that dude anymore. I talked to Wes, but that's about it. Ooh, I got an email from Bumblefoot. Hi, Bumblefoot. There you go. Um, no, Wes is somebody I need on the podcast, too. You know, Wes, my, this is an odd West Borland story that has nothing to do with physical West Borland. But when AOL first kind of popped up and AOL Messenger was a thing, and my one of my first bands I ever had opened for Limp Biscuit, like in 1997. Oh, funny. And, uh, and I, I, so yeah. I searched, I'm like, I'm like, let's see if Wes Borland's on here. And it was in Wes Borland, quote unquote, was on there. And I messaged him like this big, long, like, hey, man, you remember me from when we played together? And I messaged him like three times. And then finally the guy writes back, I'm not really Wes Borland. I was like, and that was like my first like catfish or something, you know, whatever you want to call it. Well, yeah, that's a bummer, man. Yeah, no, dude, I, I don't even remember how I met those guys. I really don't. I think they were, I was friends with Corn and Limp Bizkit was touring with Corn. I mean, I think that's how I met the Deftones, too. I, I met Deftones. This is how weird everything was back then. Corn and Deftones, the first time I saw Corn was actually opening for Megadeth, which was fucking weird. Um, first of a bill of five, and I think it was Megadeth Fear Factory, somebody else in Corn, and then, uh, but then I saw Corn probably a year. It was still on the first record, so it was probably maybe a year later. But it was Corn and Deftones opening for Ozzy right before Adrenaline came out, and I was there interviewing Corn for Circus. I actually did the first Corn feature in a real rock magazine in Circus, and I pitched them on it. Said there's this new band Corn, they're coming up and they're dope, and I, I went there to interview them for Circus, and I ended up hanging out with Stefan from the Deftones. We watched Corn together and became friends for years and years and years after. That was all. Yeah, I think I saw Corn. It was Corn, Life of Agony, and Ozzy, uh, January of '95. I think that's the first time I saw him. Yeah, Corn and I saw. Corn and Life of Agony with KMFDM, too. They toured with KMFDM and around then, too. And it was funny because it switched. The first, it switched like Chicago. The first half was KMFDM, Corn and God Lives Underwater, who ended up managing their singer for years and years and years until he passed away and he became one of my best friends. And, uh, and then the next day, it switched to Life of Agony in Chicago. So I went and saw Life of Agony that day. And that was right when Ugly came out, I remember. I don't know why I remember that, but I remember me and, me and Mina were discussing 
the cover of Don't You Forget About Me or something on the record. Uh-huh. I don't even remember. That's such a great cover. Yeah, we, we were talking about Ugly, though. I remember that's the only reason I know that was why that came out. So, Yeah, that's uh, such a crazy time. That's actually another uh, another Tower Records uh, midnight release thing is when Corn Was On Life is Peachy. They came through Nashville on a Monday and then the girlfriend I had not at the time, we both, after the show, went over to Tower Records and we bought Weezer's Pinkerton the night it came out. So. Dude, how awesome was when Life is Peachy came out in that period and just the amazing innocence and just how into corn was everybody in the world, man? People that knew about corn, nothing mattered besides corn. I mean, fuck, it was such a... Just, you don't get that anymore. I mean, you just don't get... That total immersement in a band. I mean, even Kiss. Even you don't get that anymore. Where you're just no. totally immersed in a band. You have to know everything about them. You, and and again, I don't know what it is, but it still fucking just kills me because that was what drove music and what we do. Yeah, that first Corn album is so. It it it, it was a like a. What's the word I'm looking for? Like in a culmination of everything I was listening to at the time. It was like Judgment Night soundtrack, Biohazard. Oh, yeah. You know, and then it had prong like the... And, the yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a direct descendant of all that stuff. Faith No More, Prong, Biohazard. Yeah. Helmets, all but, that. But it had its own weird flavors and, you know, the way they tuned the guitars. I mean, again, that basically just came from Prong's cleansing. You know what I mean? But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was elements of all these things, but... Especially, they just put this cool new twist that was a little bit more hip-hop and a little bit more mm-hmm. urban and cool, and it was just fucking awesome. And, and Life is Peachy, too, was an amazing fucking record. Like they kind of knocked it out, but there was just things on that record, good God. There was some shit that just was just <laughs> yeah. next. Wicked, you know what I mean? Like, how dope was fucking Wicked? They did an Ice Cube cover with fucking Cheeto. Like, how cool was yeah. that? Oh yeah, you know it was what I mean? Awesome. It was just they just did so many groundbreaking fucking things that people discount today. But fuck, man! I mean, there was it was like Beatlemania. I mean, really, like you don't <laughs> get that kind of complete immersion into artists anymore that there was then.
but it was such a great fucking community and everybody ended and I'm so honored to have been a part of it and it was it was such an amazing community and we did some amazing shit like we revolutionized the way the music biz worked I mean period we fucking did with the street teams and everything else and we just fucking made it our own and, and it was you know I mean honestly I don't know any movement ever doing anything like what we accomplished with those bands and that movement of fucking music. I mean, we took this small fringe movement and made it the dominant pop culture music force in the fucking world. Oh, yeah. And and I still, to this day, you know, that was the last great unconditional movement, you know, in American metal. I mean, it was. Nothing will ever reached that level again. I mean, System of a Down and Corn and Incubus and Deftones and Limp Bizkit and Cold Chamber and Snot and all those bands, like, all got so big, so mm-hmm. quick. It was fucking immediate and to that level. I mean, it'll never fucking happen again. Power Man 5000. And there was Head PE. There were so many. And they all just came out and just fucking destroyed. You know? I mean, it... Yeah, that's, that's the thing, too, with all of it. I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, metal's... I think it's on an up, it's on an upswing right now. I think I think it's getting more popular. But the the one thing with with that era of corn, Limp Biscuits, and and like TRL, like yeah. you know TRL playing those videos and then becoming number one videos on TRL, and, and well, there's I, just no outlet. Well, I for say that this right all now. the there's time. Nothing. I mean, I've been preaching this for fucking a decade since it started happening. But you know, the music, everything is so. Fr- and the reason I say this that. Things like that, the the conduit for that to happen doesn't exist anymore because in the 80s, the 90s, even the 2000s, we got our music from the same three or four magazines, MTV, the one radio station. And, you know, now there's just so many splintered sources of, you know, you know, now, you know, the media is so splintered and, and there's just there's too much. I mean, every little fucking band can make a record in their basement and put it out on iTunes and say, oh, we're a national band now. You know what I mean? It's like, then you had to really work. You had to get a fucking record deal where somebody had to put a million dollars into your band and you really had to fucking earn that. You know what I mean? It was different. You know, it's just different. Now there's a billion webzines and podcasts and internet radio stations that you can't even keep track. I mean, you can't keep track of all the bands. It was like, you know, there was a point in time where you could like every band pretty much that existed, you know, every significant national <laughs> band that existed. And it really, you could fit them all on the cover of your notebook. You know what I mean? It's like, 
<laughs> you know, that's yeah. not, there's too many, I mean, there's too many subgenres and, and too many local bands and, and, and regional bands that are, you know, kind of getting passed off as national bands. And there's just no, there used to be a direct pipeline and you yeah. had to follow that pipeline. And eventually if you did the right things, you could get to the end or get pretty goddamn close, you know, and now not just that pipeline's gone. It's like the analogy I use all the time. It's like, yeah, it's like a giant skyscraper, but the top 50 floors are pretty much permanently closed. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, Five Finger Death Punch, there's a couple bands that slipped in under the door as it was closing. But I mean, a band, it's not even possible really for a band to get to that level anymore. You know, I mean, that mainstream, huge, huge, huge fucking level. It's just not even possible, you know. Yeah, I'd read an article a while back about how there will never be another Metallica because oh, yeah. like, there's just no way to to break you know to bridge the gap between all of the well I only like this sub subgenre of this subgenre of metal so there's no way I could like it you know there's the Avenged Sevenfold's trying but you know even Metallica fans hate <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. you know it's just it's so ridiculous how how there's nothing never going to be another Metallica there'll never be another gigantic band you know there's you know five finger death punches out there but i mean i i see it all the time just from talking to chris and just you know i'll monitor their comment section just to see what how funny it is and, and like they just get obliterated yeah they do but, but you know stuff, they man. still sell a billion records more than the fucking hip cool metal bands that the people bashing them like so it is yeah. what it is you know they still you know they do their thing, and Ivan's a great fucking singer, and he he was, man. Look, I will say this. When Ivan did the Ghost Machine record, and I mean, after Motograder, Ivan and Motograder wasn't the singer he became. That was, you know, there was a little bit of it, but I mean, when I first heard that Ghost Machine record and heard Ivan sing, and you know, I was like, this guy is special. This guy is Corey Taylor. This guy is one, is just that next level fucking talent that he will. And he did, you know what I mean? He legitimately, that band went out and took over the fucking world and God bless, you know? And I just saw, yeah. him, I just saw him for the first time in years at rock on the range. And we just had this brief little exchange. He walked up, fucking smiled. We gave each other this huge hug and basically walked <laughs> away. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that was it. You know, it was, but it was still this amazing little moment of, you know, that was, but, but again, did I always, you know, when I put up that Ghost Machine record and really heard what he was capable of, I mean, I was floored. I mean, just the melodies and the way he wrote. And again, that's what made that first Five Finger Death Punch record so special. You know, it was yeah. just Ivan's at that kind of Corey Taylor level of, you know, lyrics. And, you know, and, and again, I, I'm not going to and I'm speaking more honestly of the first record that I really, really, really love and was kind of their groundbreaking thing. And, you know, and. But I mean, Ivan just as a talent, and that Ghost Machine record—it's on iTunes. If you mm -hmm. haven't heard it, go check it out. But I mean, it's—it's it's, it's an amazing fucking record. I mean, and he's just such a talented guy. And I knew whatever he did, there was actually a time when Ivan asked me about putting out the first Five Finger Death Punch record on Corporate Punishment, and it was at a time when I was not really happy with my distribution situation. I was kind of winding the label down, and I'd kind of had it. And I—I I straight up told him, I'm like, look, dude, you know, you will find somebody who'll put this out, and it's going to be the biggest fucking thing ever. I can't do that right now and I wouldn't even want to put you in the position to be pissed off at me because I can't, you know? Yeah. And that was literally oh, yeah. what I told him. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the, the bands I've passed on the list would be, you would laugh. I mean, literally, the bands <laughs> that, you know, I, I, I got offered in this moment. I got offered, you know, somewhere I had a deal to sign Suicide Silence. I found it five years ago, like an unexecuted corporate punishment deal for Suicide Silence. I didn't even remember ever writing it, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow. But again, you know, that was never really my thing. I mean, I like that stuff and it's cool and I like the metalcore stuff and I worked with some of those bands but 
I even corporate punishment, especially like it just wasn't my thing. I never wanted to jump on a bandwagon. Like I could have signed Suicide Silence. I could have signed a ton of these bands and just made a cash grab. I didn't want to. I just wanted to stay true to what I liked and believed in. That was bands, you know, who played great rock music, great heavy rock music with great fucking singers. And if that makes me a fucking new metal guy or whatever the fuck, it makes me great. You know what I mean? Because I, you know, since I was born, I've listened to everything from fucking deicide to slayer to warrant to fucking enough is enough to the cure to the smiths and you know i don't give a fuck what people think about what i like or what i sign as long as somebody out there likes it and relates and appreciates it and i think they do i mean i think i have a history with all of my labels of putting out stuff that people have really reacted to and really liked and some of it's been polarizing. Some of the stuff we have on EMP now is polarizing, you know, but to me, those are the biggest bands, the ones that people either fucking love or, you know, like Semblant, you know, their video has 5 million views, over 5 million views on YouTube now, you know, mm-hmm. and people either love them or fucking hate them. There's no in between. <laughs> and I know it's okay. It's either they love them or hate them. I think you need that though. I mean, if you can, uh, if you can get somebody to love your band or get somebody to hate your band with a passion, yeah. you know, you're doing something right. Exactly. Because at, at least there's passion there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because if you, you know, it takes a lot to hate something that much. Like, it takes a lot. You know, most people can listen to something and just turn it off and move oh, yeah, on to the next thing. <laughs> right. You know, now it's just like, Jesus Christ. But, man, I uh, I grew up with Chris Kale, and um, he came through Louisville not too long ago. and, and uh, he was a nice just, fucking guy. And he's... He's one dude that I've known him for, you know, 20 plus years. And he's one person that definitely deserves everything that he's getting because he's always been the nicest guy yeah, on the planet. Say this at Rock on the Range, yeah. the one guy from that band that walked around all day was talking to people, taking pictures with people. Ivan, I didn't see it all until he was on stage. Yeah. And then I saw him briefly at the after party late at night, you know. <clears throat> but Chris all day was walking around, talking to people, taking pictures with people signing autographs, fucking, you know, I mean, he was the one guy. I didn't see anybody oh, yeah, else he's in a, that band all day but Chris. He's the he's the humble one of them all, but what happened was uh, Hell Yeah came through town, and uh, between Rock on the Range and um, what's the festival in Oklahoma? The, Rocklahoma? Yeah, from, Jesus. What's that rock what's festival? That, what's that rock in festival in Oklahoma again? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, rock. Oh, uh, rock, rock. Uh. So, yeah, so he hung out in uh, in Kentucky for a week. I didn't know that. And I uh, texted him. I was like, hey, man, you know anybody with Hell Yeah? Because I wanted to go down and promote the podcast, possibly get one of those guys on the show. And he was like, he sent me back a picture of him at, like, the Welcome to Louisville sign. And he was like, what about me? And I'm like, oh. So we ended up going down, and I met him at the Hard Rock. We had dinner. We went over to the show. And instead of, like, you know, being a rock star, getting his backstage pass and going in the back and just hanging out, he sat by pretty much the T-shirt booth in the back bar and just – it was like a photo op all night long. It's like, it's like hanging out with David Ellison out. anywhere. That's basically – like, people just walk up and just want – everywhere we go, like, we're at NAM, wherever me and Dave yeah. are. So, you know, and, and I, I've become his unofficial photographer, basically. Right. That's it. I get that. That's it, though. People just come up, can I take a picture? It's like a never-ending – it's like a fucking – your life is a eternal meet-and-greet. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And yeah, it was fun though. I, I ended up being the, uh, the unofficial, like, uh, people would come up to me like, Hey, can I get a picture with Chris kind of guy? That was me. Was like, That's oh. me with Dave Ellison. That's me. <laughs> so, so why, why didn't you have Chris on your show while he was in your town for a week? That's like uh, kind yeah. of an oversight on your, on your side. Uh, I'm the worst. No, we, we talked about doing something bigger than that. So. Oh, so. oh, something bigger. Something bigger. Is he going to move in and be your roommate? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, when I got married in Vegas, he was the we my wife and I or fiance I guess at the time flew out to Vegas and he was my the only person there for me was Chris Kale and then uh, she flew out a friend of hers so in our my wedding photos it's just me and him and then awesome. and the wife and uh <laughs> and her friend so yeah and then he you know he took us out to a nice dinner afterwards it was great it was, that was yeah, ten it, years it's ago funny man I mean all their bass player I mean you, you know Matt was a really nice is a really nice guy oh. too they've always their bass player is always the humble cool guy in the right. band man you know what I mean like I yeah. love Matt we're friends on Facebook we talk all the time I mean his new band is great you know what I mean but, yeah. yeah I mean again I mean him and then Chris is great I mean look they're all for some reason the bass position and five finger death punch are always just the coolest guy <laughs> right is. well tom let's wrap this up so we don't have to bump jimber until right. next episode so uh the shit out of it. we needed the wrap it up box yo wrap that gavel up b <laughs> right <laughs> oh man well, thank you so again. Pr- promote your stuff you know go through your list of stuff you know what everybody needs to check I, out I thought, you didn't want to, I thought you didn't want to bump jim brewer no we're not bumping jim brewer. <laughs> but you just told me to go through my list of stuff <laughs> Oh, right, right, right. fucking mind. All right. So. <laughs> One or the other, bud. I'll just put this on like two times speed, so I'll be like, Tommy's all right. I'll be like the credits. My, like the micro machine like credits guy. when they show a movie on network TV and they just like. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right. So EMP label group on Facebook. I'm going to speak extra slow now. I, I like okay. very white. It sounds good. sounds sexy. I'm going to put I some think, music I think on. I have a website. Um, uh, puck hockey, go buy my shit. Buy my records, please. EMPlabelgroup.com. We have a lot of amazing fucking rock and roll. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Luck Tea Company on Facebook. There's a lot of cool shit, man. Just follow me on Facebook. Follow me on my social media, Tom Hazart. Tom with an H H A Z A E R T. Tom F and Hazart on Facebook and Instagram. Xbox Live. You know, whatever. Hit me up. Let's be friends. And again, thank you to Tom Hazart for coming on. Talk to me. Up next, we have my conversation with Jim Brewer. I had this conversation a few months ago for the uh, for the podcast. We brought it back out for the unveiling of Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio. I hope you guys enjoy this talk with Jim Brewer. He had just came off of uh, all of the Brian Johnson stuff. Uh, we have a great talk. We get a nice chat in and uh, get some nice music in this one too. So, Also, sit back, relax, check it out. I hope you guys enjoy it. Reach out, like I said, on Facebook.com slash Talk To Me Talk and let me know what you guys think of the show so far. So here's my conversation with Jim Brewer. Cool, man. So how you doing out there? Really good. Really, really good. I'm in, uh, I'm in a good place. Very good, man. Just wanted to uh, start out, man. I've had the, uh, you know, they sent me the promo link about a week ago for uh, Songs From The Garage. And right. I was thoroughly blown away. Like, I'm a huge metal fan and... uh I was a little worried, you know, that I was going to get, you know, the Goat Boy song or the Joe Pesci song, or a song about, you know, a song about half baked. But you know, this stuff is amazing. Thank you, man. That, what, did you hear just one song or the whole thing? No, they sent me the whole thing. Oh wow, cool. I, I, you know what? I, I listen. That's the Goat Boy and all that stuff. That's so far from the past, and um, yeah, I started. You know, when you go, when you, when you start following your dreams and all that, it's like, you know, you get on TV where, and it was so exciting, but the public image of me was nothing what I truly am. And right. I took hold of that in 2008. I just changed my whole life and went, you know what? I'm going to do everything I want to do. I'm not going to go for, 
I'm not going to go for TV, film, all that. Just as it comes along, I'll do it, but I'm doing everything I want to do. And this was, this has been in me my whole life. And then I really got the opportunity around 2010. It started, the seed was dropped again. And I really started trying to put it together since then, like finding the right members and, and then three years ago is when it really started honing in, like what exactly I'll be writing about. And I also know just what you said, my, my biggest, my biggest um, thing that I'm trying to do with this is your exact reaction. I know as a fan, because I, I keep one, I keep one foot as a fan in life and one fan and, and the other foot in entertainment. But I also still not enjoy myself as a concert goer, as a fan of rock, a fan of whatever I'm into. So I'm very in tune with what people think and what they'll say and what they'll do. And I, I know people are going to go, what, 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 who's doing this? <laughs> and that, and that, that was one of the biggest struggles. Like, do I just make up a name? Do I? Do I do I do a, a character? Like how, what what am I doing here? How how is how are they going to wrap their head around this? And I think I I think I nailed it. And I I love that people are going to go, Jesus, dude, this, <laughs> right? This blew my mind. It blew my mind. And that was well, that's how it was awesome. when I got home from uh I got home that day and I had it on my phone and I had it in the car and I was listening to it and I. I walk at the door and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I just heard the new Jim Brewer album. And had you not told me it was the new Jim Brewer album, I may not have even known. If you would have just told me that's the new X band, you know, right. record, I would have been like, oh, this sounds great. You know, it's it's got some comic relief to it. But I mean, it's also, it's not a whole lot of uh, slapstick no. and fart jokes, you know? No, and I, did, I didn't want any of that. I didn't, I didn't, I don't want silly and funny. I want Mevek. I struggled with putting funny in there because I, I knew maybe it was too much. The, the Purdue, Caggiano really is like, listen, we got to put a little funny in there. People, are, they're not going to be able to wrap their heads around this. And so, yeah, that's why there's like songs like Sugar Rush and he's going to be a dick tonight. Even the last one, to be honest with you, one of my, I mean, like my favorite ones are, I mean, I got a lot of favorite ones, but Wannabe, I love Wannabe, and I love The Unexplained. I love The Unexplained. Mm
another day, another life, another way. Play the game, it's win or lose, it's right or wrong. Three and better choose what lies beneath it all. Welcome to the unexplained. We lie awake, let our thoughts burn up the night. We are the chosen ones. Finger Death Punch, you're listening to Talk To Me. But the whole experience was, uh, it's, I'm so curious to see what the public, how they're going to take it. Yeah, I'm kind of curious too. I mean, it's one of the nice things about having the podcast and being able to hear a little bit of stuff, you know, prior to the, the mass public getting it, because I mean, I, I'm a fan of you and I'm a fan of your podcast and, and which I think is a great tool for you guys to use to kind of get people uh, interested in the band and get the band out there. And even before they sent me the link, I'd actually saw you here in the Louisville, Kentucky and bought the, uh, you know, backstage pass with the, you know, with oh, the yeah. download on it, all yeah. that fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. So I was really excited to hear it, and then you know the 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 Dick Tonight song. I was like, all right, it's got some comic relief to it and stuff. But uh, yeah, man, just checking it out. And the other thing, uh, you know, in my notes here about you know the album was, uh, you know, I am I'm a dad and I have a teenage daughter, and it's so funny, <laughs> like like 
like, you know, when I was a kid growing up and, you know, my early 20s, I could I could relate to Motley Crue and partying and girls, girls, girls <laughs> and all that stuff. And and now you're, you're singing my songs, man. You're like, you know, talking about having a teenage girl and all that stuff. It's so, so funny to, <laughs> to, to sit there listen to it and then just completely relate to what you're singing on most of the songs. Well, that was, that was my that was my intent, too. I went when I. Well, let's do it. So, like, listen, I'm not going to get the 18-year-olds. I'm not going to get the 21-year-old kids into kill switch engaged and, you know, the, the, they're, they're going to look at me like a, like a nut. But um, I, I was well, uh, listen, I got, a, I got a short window. I'm targeting me. Uh, the guy that grew up, Molly Crew, Priest, Metallica, dabbed a little bit with the hair bands, the mega death, and but I can't, you know, I can't, I can't listen to this. My kids like, look, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Number of the Beast? What are you listening to? And uh, but, and I've been waiting for songs like this forever and ever and ever. So I know I'm targeting us, and yeah. I'm also, and I'm hoping to bridge a gap where our kids may go. You know what? This is this is kind of fun. This is. I like the teenage girl song, Dad, and I like the thrash <laughs> song. And yeah, I'll come check this out in concert because I, in my head, I wrote the whole thing too, as if you're going to see the concert. To me, it's all very performance driven. A lot of hooks, yeah. a lot of chants, a lot of fist pumping. Maybe not, maybe not moshing. Maybe just walking quickly. <laughs> Right. No. Uh, so, how does the how do your kids like it? Have you played it for them yet? My little one loves it. I think she knows every single song, every single lyric. She's eleven. My fourteen year old really doesn't pay any attention to it, and neither does my seventeen year old. She's like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so they, they whatever, can, dad. Yeah, whatever, dad. It's, it, that's all I am to them. I'm just whatever, dad. <laughs> That's great, and I know your wife is very supportive of you. And uh, how is she? How was? How did she react when you came to her and said you were going to, you know, write and record a record? She she said, you know, you've been waiting this forever. Just I trust everything you do. Just, she put a thousand percent support into it. Now here's the part that blows me away. Uh, out of all the songs, her favorite is going to be a dick tonight. I went, what? <laughs> that's, that's your favorite song. Out of all those songs, that's your favorite song. I love that song. Here's a, here's a, here's a chick that goes to church and, you know, lives, lives like Jesus and going to be a dick tonight. That's, that's, that's her uh, fist-pumping hail song. Dude, it's 30 degrees out. He's got Roman candles. Who 
because he started a fight with the bouncer. Oh. Okay? Well, yeah, he's hitting on the bouncer's wife who's pregnant. <laughs> I go, how do you not know this situation? He goes, bro, I thought she was fat. You know how I like chubby chicks. <laughs> and this is what's explained in front of the husband. So naturally, the guy throws this out. So what does he do? He takes his Roman candle and oh, he starts no. firing it at the bouncer. And then he gets hit by a car. <laughs> he's not, he's alright though, he's alright. He's out of control. from Stuck Mojo and Fozzie, and you're listening to the Talk To Me podcast. So where did the idea for the podcast come from to kind of get the, uh, you know, the members of the band out there and to, to let the public, you know, kind of uh, kind of in on the secret and let them, you know, uh, introduce those guys to the public? Well, it's exactly what you're saying. I wanted... I know, I know I'll have publicity and all that stuff, but I was always we're, we're hanging out with them. They're all really funny and they're just great guys. We, we spent a lot of time together creating and fun, constantly funny. We laugh hard together. And I went, um, you know, this be a good way to, to start introducing you guys so other people start to get to know who you really are. So if we go in concert, or I should say when when we start touring, there'll be just the Mike Tichy fans. And I like I like Joe Vigliotti. And that's kind of cool. It's like falling in love with the band. You know, you, you, I grew up listening to Priest, and I loved Glenn Tipton. And so right. it's just here my way of introducing the band. And then also to eventually make this a visual thing. So we go on the road and we have, we have game shows with rock bands and we do challenges and cool stuff. So it's not just your average, 
you know, what was it like recording and, and stuff like that, which a lot of times I'm interested in, but it's a, it's an eclectic group that will sit down and really listen to that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I like both sides. And the one thing with your podcast too, I absolutely love the, you know, the game shows when you have a, you know, when you had Howard Jones on and you're doing, you know, name that metal yeah. stream or whatnot and all that stuff. And it's just like, I was like, when I first, you know, cause I've had the podcast for like 10 months or something. And when I first heard you doing that, I was like, ah, oh, I wish I would have thought of that, but I don't have like creative <laughs> side, you know, that, that side of me to, to, to pull out a, uh, you know, name that metal scream. Well, I have to say, I, not that I cheated, but I started doing this, um, in, uh, like 2006 when I was in satellite radio and I was, right, I, was yeah. I was so frustrated there because they didn't promote us at all. We were just word of mouth. And I, I would tell them, Hey, I can get Metallica. I can get Motley Crue. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And then I started getting them and you know, I'm playing, I'm playing games with uh, Metallica's wives instead. And they were just like, what, what, what just happened? And how the hell is this? And then I always, I always kept that in the back of my mind. And, and what did Lawrence say about that? I, I forgot what he said, but I know he was losing <laughs> the game, and he got he, he got annoyed by it. <laughs> well, wait till you hear the uh, one we did last night. Oh, oh my God, so funny! Just G came back on. He came live, <laughs> and um, okay. I just got one of my puppets. I got my Ozzy puppet. Um, he's actually a Muppet. I have an Aussie Muppet and um, we did it. We did like three games with Gus team. I, I, we, we couldn't breathe. We were laughing so hard. It's such a great, <laughs> I can't wait for that one to come out next week. Kind of getting back to the record, you know, you got Brian Johnson on there and I know that, you know, obviously with the podcast, you kind of had some turmoil there and, uh, you know, with your episode with Brian Johnson and I, I listened to that prior, you know, I listened to, you know, I have a, a podcast sure. uh, schedule you know what i'm saying i listen yeah. to yeah. to you on on mondays and tuesdays and blah 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 so i kind of listened right. to that prior to the to the shit storm that it caused and uh and yeah. i was sitting there and, and at work and i was like man uh jim's talking a lot here this this could be uh this could go sideways and a couple hours later man i looked at my phone and it was blabbermouth and the prp and all these like metal sites just going on and on about it but uh you know i mean i don't want to get too much into it because i don't want to okay get too crazy on it but i mean you know how how was that for you kind of being in the, on that side of it and kind of uh i think you had good intentions and you were very yes. innocent in your, what you said yes. but you know yes. it, it went sideways quick you know how did that feel the only part that i really was um upset about was for brian to be you know the guy wakes up in the morning and, and even me, when I, when I did it, I didn't expect that to happen. I, I had, I thought, I thought, first of all, I didn't think I had really that many listeners. <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> I, I don't check numbers. I don't do nothing. And, um, second of all, when we had, I really thought, maybe people will hear it around June or July where people start going, Hey, did you ever listen to it? It's kind of cool conversation, but it's a little weird. What's going on with, with Brian and Johnson. And so to wake up the next morning, you know, I went to bed. It was a conversation late at night. And then I guess it was posted. And then I woke up in the morning 
with, uh, please call me ASAP. And like, and, and all these radio stations and, and Mike, <laughs> Mike teacher was excited. He's like, Oh my God, we're, we're number one trending. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I, I mean, I was in Turks and Caicos on vacation and I, and I looked at it and I went, Oh my God. Oh my God. And it just, I'm trying to think of everything I said. And at the end of the day, I, it's amazing how they just took a quote exactly, and, and really ran with it. You know, I, I remember just saying, you know, teachers like, how do you feel? I'm like, man, he just feels like he's kicked to the curb, you know, and boom, <laughs> right. all over the world. And for, I remember Brian calling, I called Brian and I said, oh my God, what the, he's like, Jim, you got to be careful with social media. I went, Brian, I, Jesus, I just hung up the phone last night. He goes, you didn't, uh, you know, I got a call from my friend in England. And soon as he said that, I went, oh my God, oh my God, England. And he said, he said, he said that Jimmy Brewer said, uh, you got fired. And it doesn't sound like something you'd say, Jim. And I went, no, I, no. I I know I didn't say get fired. I was just saying how I was kind of blown away about everything, just like everyone. But uh, you know, for him to come home and I, I'm like, why is there equipment in your? What's up with equipment? Uh, they said, what do you mean they sent it to you? What the fuck? What's going on? <laughs> right. what, what, what are you talking about? Who, who's calling? They don't really call. What do you mean they don't call? What do you? You're ACDC. What, what are you talking about? Don't you? What do you mean they're replacing you? Ah, oh, well, you know, I read in the paper. What do you mean you read in the paper? What's going on? So <laughs> to just express like that and for what it turned into, the the thing that I regret the most and I still do is um, just how it, Brian felt, you know, he suddenly was in a position where he's like, hey, 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 I didn't. I, none of these are my quotes. Don't, don't, right. don't go on. This ain't me speaking. This is Jim speaking for me. And, um, I still, that still really bothers me. I think about it. I would have traded all that press in the world for that to never, ever gone down. But as a fan, I will say, I, I don't think he was treated well at all. And, um, I don't, and I, and I, I think at first the perception was like, hey, what's going who's this guy? And now as time is slowly rolling on, more and more people going, huh, uh, it's kind of weird what's going on here. What's, what's, Brian made this statement and they made that statement and people will figure out <laughs> what, what, I mean, I hold the truth. I know every raw fact, but, um, yeah, just go ahead and tell us, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, at the end of the day, I, no. I just uh, Brian is a huge, huge entity, and he is just as part of ACDC as the Angus brothers, whether they want to realize it or not. And um, I, as a fan, and I think I could speak for a lot of fans, it was a little awkward that here's a man that's been with you for 36 years. He took you to a new stratosphere. He put you 
in the stratosphere. When you first heard Back in Black and Shook Me All Night Long, you no one said, wow, that Angus Young is amazing. They right. went, Jesus, who... Who is this guy? Back in black. What? What? How did this guy replace Bond? How is this possible? Um, and to tour and and to be part of that band and after that long, you hear Brian's hearing is is going and he can't he can't really tour. Me as a fan. And I think most fans would would think you'd see the band together in a press conference, mm-hmm. and they're Absolutely. all like, "We feel horrible for Brian here, and these we we put so many years together, but Brian's not going to. He's going to try to get help, and he's going to come with us and introduce, and we're gonna we're gonna look for a singer, and we're gonna move on. But you know, we all love Brian, and this is kind of a goodbye to Brian tour, and to not see that." and just read a headline that says we're replacing looking for new singers and you don't hear anything from Brian until Axel is official. I, me personally, uh, it's a little weird. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously from my, my years of touring and, and being around the music industry and knowing about, you know, in-ear technology. And so you're telling me that, that, you can get a custom set of in-ears for the singer of ACDC that's going to reduce the noise and he can still, you know, hear the, uh, hear the concert. That's a crazy thing for anyone to say. So I don't understand how that, uh, how a hearing loss or hearing issues and, you know, playing open air stadiums is going to be a, uh, deterrent, you know, when you can have so many, so much in-ear technology that could, you know, silence the, silence the band except for what he needs to hear to sing, things like that. I mean, I think that, at the end of the day, I think you, they could have worked around it, and, and definitely at some point something will come out. You know, to what really happened. Yeah, and I think I think also, again as a fan, it hurt it hurt it hurt me as a fan of. I mean, this is my all time greatest band to watch. Just the way that was. I mean, you turn you you could have made a celebration, and it, it seemed like at the end when it was all said and done. Uh, Brian came off very classy. Absolutely. And Angus came off cold, like Walmart, just replacing a <laughs> cash. Like he's replacing a cashier, which right. again, that's right. But you, he needs to know his audience, and he yeah. needs to know how much love, time, and investment, and money we put into Brian Johnson. And he yeah. is a huge, huge voice and part of ACDC and, and, and rock and roll, period. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, you know, obviously one of the forefathers of hard rock, heavy metal and all that. And uh, just to kind of tie it back around to the record, obviously, Brian Johnson being on your record. And again, again, you know, that whole... You know, where's the Goat Boy song? You know, where's the the heavy metal? You know, you do a hokey pokey version or whatever. You know, I assumed that the Brian Johnson song would be, you know, you and him kind of going back and forth, and maybe you doing your Brian Johnson impression and all this right. other stuff. But I mean, the song "Mr. Rock and Roll" is a complete song from start to finish. No jokes, no goofing off, no you know silly business. 
So, you know, it's, and it's one of those things where, you know, I was like, man, this could be played on classic rock radio tomorrow and fit yeah. right in. And so so how does it feel for you to kind of for that song to kind of come together? And then now it's going to be like the last recording of Brian Johnson or at least the first song post ACDC to come out. I think it'll be his first post ACDC. And I think it's a damn good start because. Man, does he sound he I think that's the best song He's, I, I shouldn't say that because it's my song, but <laughs> wait, when you hear him first hit mm-hmm. that first, once the kid, I mean, that first line just punches you right in your face. And, um, you know, he came to me and he said, Jim, I want to be on the rig and me son. Well, oh my <laughs> God. I said, Brian, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that. He's like, no, no, I mean it. I mean it. I, I really mean it, my son. And, um, Here's the funny thing. We actually try to write a funny song and I think he wanted it a lot goofier. I kind of wanted to shy away from goofy and I didn't, I didn't imagine it being as powerful and a kick-ass song that it really, and kind of becoming an anthem where the original concept, and it's still there. If you listen to his side of the lyrics that I wrote, he, it's all about, we had a conversation like we're sick and tired of, he said he's sick and tired of people thinking I'm old and I'm out and I'm no good anymore. And at the end of the day, I'll be the last one standing. I'll drink you under the table. I'll shag your women. And I am Mr. Rock and Roll. (laughs) That, and we were laughing. He's like, yeah, you know, he goes, do your thing, Jim, you know, right about spending the kids tuition and stuff like that. And, so in my head, it's a funny visual, but when you listen to the song, it doesn't sound funny, Right. but it kind of was first written to be a little funny. You know, um, once the king of the mountain back to claim what now, when I listen to it, mm-hmm. I, I get goosebumps and I know this sounds corny, but I swell up. My eyes swell up because I think this is his, yeah, I'm still alive song. I, at first, I didn't until until these circumstances happened. I uh, no one, I didn't, nobody saw this coming. But now right. here he is out in the know. And and if that became something, if it became you know, good God, a, a top twenty, a top fifty, I swear to God, I will be, I, I will swell up in tears for my happiness just for him to show the world. I can still bring it and I can still bring it hard because he, I think he brings it hard in that one. Stop! 
This is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you're listening to the Talk To Me Podcast. So just uh, musically on SNL, what was like one band that kind of came through SNL that you just like freaked out about and had to check out, you know, during rehearsals that week? Oh, there was a lot of them. There was, um, to me, it's funny, I just, I just was asking, I just, told someone the band that blew my mind was um smashing pumpkins and they did rat in a cage and um and i I forgot the name of the other one but they just i i was i was blown out of my mind watching them in front of me just rehearsing and tearing it up um Metallica was fun, but but Smashing Pumpkins that was to this day I think that was my all time favorite performance by any band that I saw on SNL. That's awesome, man! I, yeah, I love I love all those you know so many classic musical performances on SNL, and that's you know one thing that uh, I think some of the, some of the later seasons that we've had recently are kind of missing, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, one bummer, dude, I'm, I'm trying yeah, to get yeah. on foul. My dream is one of these songs hit. And I'm able to be a musical guest on SNL. That is, 
Oh, wow. I want that so badly. So badly. Like, Teenage Girls becomes huge pop song for some bizarre reason. <laughs> and they have me as a musical guest. I'm, it'd be weird to see the album finally gets me to host SNL, but I'll keep those dreams alive. Good. I know we would all enjoy that, too. All right, I've got one last question. This comes from my Patreon page. A listener, Eric Hall, asks, using the members of the Big Four, what would be your super group? Oof. Uh, from the big from the big four, if I took the big four, yeah, and I put just... well, I would definitely put uh, Mustaine and Hetfield back together. So absolutely. Oh man, um, I would take Scotty in. Okay. I keep Lars. And now <laughs> I have to. I'd have to. And then I would. Oh, wow! Yeah, Dave really Ellison, Robert Trujillo. What's that? I, I oh, I'd have to take. Uh, oh my God, what's his name from Slayer? Um, Tom Araya. Yeah, I think so. Bass player. So, so what does that give me? Um, I think you've got three guitar players, a drummer, and a bass player. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm good with that. I got some good singers there, and that's that's. I think that's my super powerhouse metal. We're gonna beat you to death. <laughs> That's great, man. So, uh, what's the kind of just the wrapping it up? What's the future of the band? You know, when the album comes out, May twenty seventh, right? Yeah, May twenty seventh comes out. We're on some, we're on three festivals: Chicago Open Air. Um, I don't know the name of the one in Chester, Pennsylvania, and I know we're in one in Houston. And we're going to play some dates in Brooklyn, New York, every, uh, the last two Mondays in, um, August and the, I mean, the last two Mondays in July and the first Monday in August at a place called the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. And, um, I don't know what I'm hoping is a huge tour in the winter and all of next year. That's if I can do a big headline tour and the music hits, I want this thing to hit. I really do. I, and I, I don't need it to be top 10, whatever, but I just, if we could do a house of blues tour and pack those places out and give the fans exactly what I have in my mind, I think we would blow people out of their minds with the show we're going to bring them. And yeah, from listening to the album, I 100% agree. I think it has potential to do exactly what you want it to, man. And, uh, you know, just coming from a fan that, of metal since I was a, a young little kid, you know, I, I'm skeptical when anything comes through. I'm skeptical when Fozzie puts out an album and it's a wrestler, and a singer, <laughs> you know, like, just like, you know, just any, any kind of actor, you know, actor, wrestler, comedian turned metal, you know, you know, that's just, it's always a recipe for like, I don't know about this, but, uh, so of course, so for me of to, course, and I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of it. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks for taking some time today, Jim, and uh, good luck in the future. And I uh, will talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for uh, having me, and I'm I'm psyched you like it. Okay.
Teenage Girls. And again, thank you to Jim Brewer for taking some time talking with me. And uh, I, I know I gloat about the record, but I was truly taken aback by how good the Jim Brewer and the Loud and Rowdy record was. And uh, make sure to check out his podcast, the Metal and Me podcast. It's super funny. It comes out every week. And uh, check that out. Let him know that you heard about it on Talk To Me. And uh, make sure Jim Brewer knows that uh, I am spreading the word and the gospel of the mighty Jim Brewer. Because I go way back with the Jim Brewer. I mean, I, I loved him on Saturday Night Live. I loved the Goat Boy. I loved all of that stuff back then. I loved Half Baked. I grew up on that stuff. And uh, so... To be able to support Jim Brewer and what he's doing now is uh, fantastic, and I'm glad I have a vehicle to do that. Also, if you have a unsigned a local band, uh, someone you want to get out there and play it on the show, reach out, talk to me, talk at gmail.com. To me is T-O-O-M-E-Y. Reach out, send a demo, send a great track, and I will play it on the show at some point, and we can get you out to all the ears of the Talk To Me show here on Lost Anarchy Radio. So yes, reach out, say hello, 
and uh, send me your stuff and let me know what's going on out there in the music world, what's going on in the underground, what's going on. And uh, yeah, so thank you to Tom Hazard also for coming on the show. And like I said, I met him years ago in Green Bay. I think he had talked about taking me over to see Lambeau Field and uh, check all that out. And uh, we never got around to it, but that would have been a lot of fun. A nice road trip over to Lambeau with Tom Hazard as your tour guide is always going to be fun. But I'm going to leave you guys this week with some Pantera. Here is a new level, and I will see you guys next Thursday night. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Oh,